Um, before my life event, uh, I was still a proponent of universal design. And I did think that accessibility is just an essential element of good design. Um, but the shift in that belief uh, through my own experience uh, actually challenged that. Uh, that when you compare um, accessibility to actually designing for a certain ability difference uh, from the get-go, uh, then you find that there's a lot more opportunities for innovation. And in this pursuit of what's dubbed inclusive design, there's actually a long history of innovations, everyday innovations uh, that were uh, started with the intent to address um, a person with a disability. Uh, one example is the telephone. Uh, Alexander Graham Bell invented it to help deaf people. Um, another is uh, the keyboard. Uh, the, it was invented in Italy uh, for someone who had a love affair with a countess who was blind and uh, she couldn't write letters legibly, so he invented the, the keyboard. Um, even the remote control uh, was originally invented for uh, people who had difficulty uh, back in the day standing up, crossing the living room to change the channel on their television. But today, a remote control is a de facto feature of uh, any TV that we buy. Uh, so uh, reframing the design intent to focus on um, a difference in ability actually benefits everyone. Uh, and going back to the notion of ramps to the building, I'm not the only one who uses the ramp to this building. People who bike into work find it easier uh, to bring their bikes in. People with deliveries uh, use the ramp as well. So the notion is if we design uh, for the ability difference, it actually benefits everyone. So something I find very interesting is um, you, you played a huge role in bringing that kind of thinking to Microsoft. And Microsoft is a huge organization thousands, tens of thousands of employees, right? Um, but something that we actually brought up in our conversation with Kat was Microsoft has this legacy of you can configure the experience to your particular needs, mm -hmm. right? Um, but obviously now there's a lot of software coming out of Microsoft and the, the, the question was how do you bring that kind of thinking to software, right? Now, given the experience that you had and um, you know, the, 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 frame, the reframing that you were trying to push through, what did those conversations look like with stakeholders at Microsoft? Like, what were you telling them to say, hey guys, there is this slight, slight variation in thinking that we should have when we build software for the people we're, we're, we're servicing? So uh, uh, Microsoft, first of all, uh, you mentioned Cat. It was a group effort uh, um, where Cat uh, and Albert Shum, the VP of design, and I were all philosophically aligned that, uh, that this was just good. Uh, but in the shift to designing uh, with um, audiences with differences in ability uh, was actually pretty profound. It seems like a small thing, um, but when we went through our product development process, uh, we shunned the idea that 
we design for the majority and that's the ideal solution mm -hmm. and that accessibility is an add-on uh, or uh, something that happens after the product is designed. Uh, but if we design uh, for uh, those instances from the get-go, uh, then not only is it good for those audiences, but it benefits everyone else. Now, with uh, an organization as large as that, uh, the best way to uh, promote the idea uh, is through action. Uh, I think that everyone was... Uh, philosophically aligned that this is a good thing and the best way to uh, show how to do it is simply by doing it. I'm reminded of a Buckminster Fuller quote uh, and I'm just going to paraphrase here but he said um, if you want to teach people a new way of thinking uh, don't bother teaching them instead give them the, the tools that they would be using if they were already thinking in that way. And from that, Kat developed the Inclusive Design Toolkit. And uh, um, building off of that, I also introduced tools and processes on the team I was managing to start thinking in that new way as well. What were some of those process shifts? Oh, uh, one of the most challenging ones is uh, we decided to do a user research study where all the participants in the study were deaf. And uh, we had a lot, of, a lot of new things that we had learned, uh, but really the insights that we gathered actually helped us think of some very interesting features that we introduced into the platform. For decades, design has impacted how we live. Now it's beginning to shape how we work. Here at IBM, design thinking has given us a new framework for teaming, for co-creating with our clients and users. It's helping us make decisions faster, and it's keeping humans at the center of everything we do.